This podcast exists for entertainment purposes only. Before making any investment decisions, please contact your financial advisor. Welcome back to Man vs. Market, the show where we go over everything you need to know about this next week in the stock market, and a place where we try to give you actionable strategies to try to beat the market yourself. Today is a special day. This is the 10th episode of Man vs. Market. It has always been my dream to start a podcast, and now because of you guys, I really get to live it every single day. Thank you so much for helping me get through the first 10 episodes. Now, as we get further and further into the show, I want to do my best to try to be more engaging with the listeners. So please, if you have any questions on the stock market, macroeconomic outlooks, or anything else, please send me a DM on Instagram at chartytrades. That would be at C-H-A-R-T-Y-T-R-A-D-E-S. Send me a DM, ask me any question. I will get to you as soon as possible. Now, let's jump right into the meat of the show. First, we are going to talk about the markets. So we had yet another short week in the stock market. But despite the short week, we had more than a week's worth of price action. The S&P 500 finishes the week up about 1.87%. The Dow Jones finishes up about 0.8%. And the NASDAQ finishes up about 4.7%. Meaning that this rally that we saw was mostly tech-driven, though we did see most sectors fare rather positively. On the last episode, we talked about how this week would be make or break for the market and that both the bears and the bulls had specific levels that they had to break in order to see a continuation in their direction. Those levels were 372.40 for the bears and about 385.40 for the bulls. Very, very early in the week on Tuesday, we got a pretty strong gap down right to that level. All the bears had to do was bring the price action down just a little bit to crack that level, and it would have been very likely that we would have seen new lows. But the bulls acted pretty resilient and were able to bring us up right from there. And we had a pretty sharp bounce off that level. By around close on Wednesday, the bulls had brought us up all the way from that 372 level all the way up to the 385.40 level. And we did reject a little bit the end of the day Wednesday, and it did take a gap up on Thursday to actually bring us up. But the bulls did break this level and did indeed retake the short-term sentiment. To even further confirm this, on Friday, we saw a decent gap down and a retest of the 385 level. But the bulls proved that they were in fact in control and brought us back up to pretty close to new highs at the end of the day on Friday. We have now broken this midterm downtrend and are actually approaching a point where the bulls can actually take control of the midterm as well. So for the foreseeable future, at least in the short term to almost the midterm, the bulls will get the benefit of the doubt. Now that we have cracked the 385.40 level, and like I have said in the past episodes, I think that if we break this level, which we did, we should see a move to at least 400. This level will be pretty critical though, as it will act as both a psychological level being the big 400, And it is also the 38.2 Fibonacci level, which has historically acted as pretty strong resistance in downtrends like this. My new level is about 393. If the bulls can crack this level, then I will say they have also retaken the midterm sentiment, 
which will mean that the Bulls will get the benefit of the doubt in the midterm as well. What we do have to remember though is in the long term we are still in a downtrend and in a bear market. Any longer term trend moves are more likely to be bearish than bullish until we can see even stronger price action pushing us up. There really isn't many abnormalities in the price action, it looks pretty standard, not any crazy divergences. My thinking is that the bulls are going to try to push us up as we head into some of these major economic announcements over the next couple of weeks. Next week on Wednesday, we will get the month of June consumer price index numbers. And you know that the bulls have to be shaking a little bit knowing what the past CPI numbers have done to the market. This might be the bulls last attempt to try to push us up before we might get a sell off for that report. Also, later in the month, we will get the quarter two GDP readings, as well as a Fed policy update the same week. I think that the GDP number is going to be negative for quarter two. This would then trigger a technical recession, as we have already seen a negative reading for quarter one, and I think the media is going to feed upon this and create the sentiment that we are in a deep, deep recession. This may trigger a Fed policy update, potentially steeper than they need. So I think the bulls are going to try to push us upwards for the next two to two and a half weeks until I do think that this report will be negative and push us back down. Let's now take a look at some of the economic news and recent data that has been released. First, the US labor market remains very strong. Despite some signs showing that it may be slightly weakening, we still generated 372,000 new jobs in the month of June. And this did actually exceed most economists' forecasts. The unemployment rate is still about 3.6%, and has been there for now four months in a row, meaning that despite these strong job numbers, the unemployment is really not moving very much. So we really could be seeing a point where we are near full employment. And if that is the case, this could be a sign of a weakening labor market. And the labor market is really one of the only things holding up the broader economy. Hourly earnings rose 5.1% over the year prior, meaning they have not actually outpaced inflation. And like we talked about last week, for the second time in this year so far, the yield curve has officially inverted. This occurs when the two-year U.S. Treasury bond is higher than the yield of the 10-year bond. This indicator means that investors are very pessimistic in the short term and in the long term. Now that the yield curve has inverted twice, it might hold us a little bit of a better signal. The vast majority of the times that we see yield curve inversions, we have seen a recession about 12 to 18 months later. And reminder, the yield curve also inverted back in April. As we talked about in a past episode, the euro dollar is now approaching parity, meaning that the exchange rate between the two is approaching one to one, something we haven't seen since 2002. This coincides with the dollar continuing to have a monstrous run and has just broken out of a 10-year high. Typically, the dollar gains strength during times of global uncertainty as foreign investors ditch their own currencies to jump into the safer dollar. But oddly, this rally we're seeing in the dollar is not typical of most recessions, or even regular dollar rallies for that matter. We are seeing a movement that coincides with great fear. And now that we've broken above this long-term resistance, the upside for the dollar is potentially limitless, as there are really no technical indicators or signals or levels that are preventing the dollar from running indefinitely. Now, obviously, there will be a point in which the dollar will no longer be an attractive investment. 
But I do think there's a lot more upside here. Earnings season is now back. This week, banks will start reporting. Pretty crazy how quickly earnings season came back around. This one might be a little bit interesting though, as expectations around the broader market are pretty low. So I do expect some surprises as there is a lot of pessimism baked into the market already. The consumer price index for the month of June will be released on Wednesday. This will be critical in determining what type of policy the Fed might employ in its next Fed policy meeting later in the month. At this current moment, the market is pricing in about a 92% chance of a 75 basis point hike with an 8% chance of a 100 basis point hike. Now, I don't think we're going to see a 100 basis point hike. That's a little ridiculous. And a 92% chance of a 75 basis point hike is also a little ridiculous. But it continues to show the incredibly hawkish nature of the Fed and their absolute dedication to bringing down inflation, no matter the cost. One of the headline stories of the week is that home ownership just got 5% cheaper as mortgage rates fall off a cliff, according to Yahoo Finance. The rate on the 30-year fixed mortgage hasn't fallen this much this quickly since December of 2008. The 30-year fixed mortgage is down to 5.3%, down from 5.7% just a week ago. That is a 40 basis point drop in one week. A pretty ridiculous decline. Just a year ago, the 30-year fixed rate was 2.9%. Housing demand has fallen so quickly that they have taken the rates down with it. The median price of a house in the United States is now $450,000. This is up 17% from just a year ago. Oil prices also briefly fell below $100 a barrel pretty early on in the week. Now, while they did get up to over $105 a barrel later in the week, this is the first time since May that we did see prices below $100 a barrel, as markets are now starting to imply that a recession would cut demand dramatically, which is technically true. The problem is we are still completely ignoring the supply side issue of the matter, and you guys are all well aware of my thesis on oil. And I still fully expect a full-blown energy crisis on the back half of the year. If you want to listen to more about my thesis on that, go listen to episode 8. Speaking of recessions, we are going to go into another deep dive on the history of recessions and what we might be able to expect for the coming one. Since World War II, there have been 12 recessions, with the average recession lasting about 10 months. According to Edward Jones, the longest recession since World War II was in 2007 at 18 months, and the shortest was in 2020 at just two. As far as recessionary declines in GDP, 2020's recession was also the steepest with over a 10% annualized decline in GDP in just those two months. Obviously, that was a pretty special circumstance. Most recessions see an annualized decline in GDP of about 3%. According to Edward Jones' economic health indicator, we have just triggered a signal that does say we have a weakened economy. Before every single recession since World War II, this signal has in fact been triggered. However, I will say there have been five false signals in this reading as well in 76, 85, 96, 99, and 2016. So we have to take this with a grain of salt, but it does look like we at least have the foundation set in place for a recession. What makes this potential recession stand apart is the hiring trends. The job market is currently almost as strong as it has ever been, while in most recessions, or really every recession, there has been a noticeable decline in employment. While the unemployment rate currently 
is at just 3.6% like we mentioned earlier, a rate that is incredibly low. And there has never been a recession with an unemployment rate even close to this level. Because of the absolute strength of the labor market and the high level of savings that have been accumulated over the last couple of years, it still looks like this recession would be very mild. It would probably be very similar to something like the 2001 recession. Every recession that has had an unemployment rate increase by less than 2.5%, there has been five of them, GDP declined by an average of just 1.3%. We are already on pace for a decline of more than that. The deepest recessions have coincided with steep increases in an unemployment rate. And because the labor market is so strong, it looks like economic damage here might be fairly limited. The market is now not reacting to bad news. Despite some of the FOMC minutes released this week, we saw a pretty strong market rally. Historically, when the market completely fails to respond to bad news, that has almost always been a sign of a stock market bottom. I will say, I do think there is at least one more steep sell-off. My theory continues to be, I think we're going to have a strong push into the GDP and Fed policy later in the month. At which point, I think we will ultimately sell off. But things aren't looking as bad as I think the market is pricing in. The markets tend to bottom on average about four months before the recession ends. And we could already be well into that recession. As the old saying goes, be fearful when others are greedy and be greedy when others are fearful. I am looking ahead and plan to accumulate shares in more growth-based companies on a coming dip as they will be the first to recover. While the mainstream media keeps pushing the narrative that we are due for a massive sell-off, people are not very willing to accumulate long-term shares here, which I think is an absolute mistake. Regardless of what happens in the short to midterm, this is still an absolutely great buying opportunity for stocks. So my plan is I will be accumulating and adding a lot more growth shares in the coming dip like I said before. Before we end the show, I am going to introduce a brand new segment that I'm going to add once a month. Every month, I'm going to choose an important book of economic history. I will read the book and announce which book I'm going to read at the beginning of every month. At the end of the month when I've finished, I will review the book and summarize all of the important parts and takeaways you can get from it, as well as if I recommend the book or not. This month, I am going to be reading Basic Economics by Thomas Sowell. This is one of my favorite books, and I've recently decided to reread it in its entirety. At the end of the month, I will give you my full review and recap of the entire book. Alrighty, that's all for this episode of Man vs. Market. Again, if you have any questions on anything that we talk about, please send me a DM on Instagram, at chartytrades. If you took anything away from this episode, or found anything that you think might be useful to someone you know, please share the podcast with them. Also, consider writing a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It helps me get the podcast out to so many more people. On that note, I'll talk to you guys next week.